0: Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action Podcast, where we hear from people across the U.S. that share their stories about work they are doing in their local community with a common goal of taking green action that helps care for people and wildlife and the environment in our local towns and cities. Our goal is that we might be able to learn from and inspire each other while we find our own solution-based action that lets us live meaningful, sustainable, eco-friendly lives while cleaning, protecting, and repairing the environment So today in our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who's an environmentalist and florist whose business became a first of its kind full service eco floral shop. I'm speaking with Lynn Mel with Good Old Days Eco Florist in Windsor, New York. Lynn as an idealist and artist looks at things differently. As a business owner, she advocates for small businesses and buying local. As an environmentalist, her passion is in saving the planet and living compassionately with wildlife. In the 80s, her mother found an original country store, which she turned into a little flower shop. Since 2001, when taking over the shop, it is now an industry model of sustainability, being one of the first full-service eco-florists in the country. Lynn promotes, writes, educates, and speaks the awareness that this can be done and profitably. Her goal now is to influence and promote green planet-friendly thinking to both consumers and the industry. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, Jenny. I'm so excited to speak with you and and find out more about your path of green action that led you to operating an eco floral shop and educating others. So what planted the seeds for you to want to take some kind of green action initially?
1: Well, first of all, I was raised by two tree hugger parents, so it's already in the blood. But I, I had gone to college with the intent of, of environmental science and forestry. And in 2001, um, I, when I took over the business, my mother had said to me one day, she says, you know, don't forget, you need to order those beautiful American Beauty Roses. And it was like, what happened to the American Beauty Roses? Where did they go? I said, you're right, you know? So the internet, I started Googling and sometimes things right in front of you, you just don't even see. You have blinders on, you're like lemmings. And I did not realize, I mean, I did realize, but I didn't how many flowers were being imported and coming in, and there were no more American beauty roses, which traditionally were grown in California. So I said, oh wow. So the more research I did about the chemical use and the humanitarian issues and the environmental issues with these imported flowers, I was just about ready to. I said, what do I, what do I do? I mean, I can't march with PETA and you know march for, save the sequoias and then take up money in a capitalistic business. That is the farthest thing from green that you could ever think of. So I just said, well, I either have to change careers, which I love what I do, or fix it. So yeah, I had to start with my core products, which of course was the cut flowers. So it took me probably a total of 10 years to completely green a, a professional full service florist. I'm not talking about a bucket store. I'm not talking about, you know, somebody who does it on the side. I mean, a full professional florist. My first thing was to find growers that would ship to me on the continent. And at that time, it was was now of course, you know, they're all shipping. But back then there were a few growers and I begged, borrowed and stealed, and I ended up getting all my flowers uh, from the Americas. So then I just took it and ran with it. I was like a dog with a bone. <laughs> I looked at everything and I can't believe how blind I had been being such an environmentalist. I looked at the containers, I looked at the paint, the glues, the plastics, the phones, the everything that this industry uses on a daily basis and just found a replacement. And I did it. I what I could not find, I just discontinued uses like balloons, for example. I have balloons. I, it's been a tradition for years for people to send a bouquet of latex balloons to a rubber balloons, excuse me, for a birthday for a child. Well, they're not rubber anymore, and they're latex, and they're toxic. We're running out of helium, so I do not offer balloons. I think I have one thing on my website under children, and I don't offer them in the shop. So you pick your battle. You know, there's going to be things that you just can't replace because. There is no replacement for them. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's been interesting, and one you know, there's so many toxins in the flower industry for a business that nature thought of. Uh, you know, I mean, almost it's as as I started looking at everything, even down to the wrappings, the papers, the little plastic sticks they put in to hold the cards. I mean, right on down to details. I mean, nothing. There is no cradle to cradle. The the foam is is toxic as anything. It's non biodegradable. It's just we still have our parents' wedding flower foam in the landfill from 1950. (laughs) <laughs> so, of course, the industry has has influenced the consumer that they must have these big orbs of flowers at weddings and that are a solid ball of foam. So, you know, you pick your battles. That's the best I can say. But once I got all of these products, I mean, I found uh, compostable cellophane from corn. Uh, my papers are all soy and water ink. We use a lot of tissue paper and a lot of wrappings, you know, for flowers. My containers, I either buy, if they're not local-made or or made of recycled content than they are vintage, or I get them at buyouts, et cetera. Then I went to the backside of the business to the paper in the printer and the ink and the cleaning supplies and the recycling of the water from the cooler for the plants. I mean, right on down the line and it, I was happy. I, I mean, it makes me happy now that I, one person cannot change the world, but one person can do their part and really influence other people. So do you find that
0: through the years that there has been more and more options for replacing some of those supplies?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Well, green is the new gold in marketing. So we even have the South American and the Colombian flower growers now creating their own labels for flowers like with a picture of a frog on them that these are, you know, environmentally friendly. Of course, no one's policing it. And if some things, the industry, the manufacturers in in my industry, you know, they are coming out with more made in the USA things, more handmade things, you know, at, at the local buyers shows, the big gift markets, you know, that's the high thing now is American made and sustainably made or cradle to cradle, at least. So yeah, it's a lot easier now than when I started it. When I, when I was doing it, there was like nothing. Yeah. I, and that's why it took me so long. So at what point did you decide to become green
0: certified? Um, How early on did you realize that was something you needed to do?
1: Well, I just have such a passion for this. I mean, I was involved with a lot of green organizations, and I, I started researching more and more, and And then I found a few, and then finally, the most capitalistic organization on the planet, the Chamber of Commerce, they jumped on the bandwagon, and they had a green program, and they promptly awarded me Green Business of the Year. I mean, I got accolades from all the state senators, and which I was so proud of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so proud of that, you know, because... It's, it's it's really hard I, I noticed with my with with customers and with just people society in general they like that i'm doing this they like that i'm doing it for them you know not necessarily that they want to do their part but so it is an admirable cause even though i, I did i did it for my own reasons i i, I never knew that it could be profitable what, what i found was that you people will come to you because when you show in a business that you care about something more than money because i also joined one percent for the planet which did 1% of my profits to um, environmental causes. I also started a program on my website called Flowers for a Cause where I chose, I don't know what I've got on there now, maybe 20 or so causes from Sea Shepherd to save the sequoias. And I created different designs that I thought depicted that cause. And then I give all the profits to that. I created a fundraising program, recycle program. People can bring all of their goods back for flowers. So what I found was when people see that you're really trying to do something. Thing, good they come they trust you and trust in business is about gone now you know we see all kind of ads and the best this and marketing that and doing this and doing that but I walk the talk and they know it so I have a very loyal clientele which makes profitability
0: so how are you educating other businesses um, about this
1: well of course I'm always putting it online everywhere and Actually, I'm in the process right now of, I have another website to teach Floris. I said, I will give you the information, please. Even if you take two or three, this is my way of thinking, you know, implement it. I mean, most shops now, because of money, they finally realize that if they take back a few vases, they can save a few pennies here and there. But I mean, everything else, It's that's one of my main things is to educate others in the industry and also consumers, because consumers will spearhead that if they go to a florist, well, where are these flowers grown? Well, are you using chemicals? Well, we don't want any foam. So once the consumer knows, that's going to guide the business, because the business will do it. the consumers want well you know it's funny like i said before i have i have three shades of green of of people that come to my shop one is serious green like me another one they're a little bit lighter green you know they recycle and they're they're good with that and then we have ones that are like brown and those are the ones that come to me and they don't care about it but they feel good that they're coming to me because i'm doing it if that makes any sense <laughs> like it kind of alleviates their conscience a little bit that they're buying american flowers and you know they're coming to a local business and they're not having chemicals even though you know they don't live a lifestyle like that
0: yeah do you try to educate people on your website
1: about the seasons and just a lot about about these issues I think the one thing is they didn't realize that flowers were imported because they don't understand how they could be shipped uh, and still be, you know, alive, you know, and if you think about it, another part of, of this, which is difficult for florists and people is when you, when you operate seasonally, you know, we really shouldn't be eating strawberries in January. Strawberries are in season in June, but unfortunately we get them from Mexico. We get them from China. It's the same thing in the flower business. There really shouldn't be sunflowers in January. So, that's another part is trying to get florists to buy and offer seasonally grown flowers instead of having everything 12 months out of the year, because that's what is perpetuating the imports. So what might be some of the challenges that you faced?
0: Like initially, I know that you've had to do so much research, getting the word out there. Would you say that would, was one of the leading challenges of like setting up this type of business or?
1: um Originally, there was a lot more challenges. Now I've got it down pat. But I think this is what I'm doing in the course to teach other florists. Um, your number one thing is is to find your alternatives you know stay away from industry basics stay away from your foam um, baskets and your you know find because if you're creative that's the whole key you can be you can come up with different alternatives that's what I'm trying to do with this course right now to teach different people as far as consumers I'm just constantly slamming it you know flowers at peace with the planet no imports no this no that and like I said I've gained some some you know I've gained some enemies and I've because I'm fighting big industry, big industry. The this, the foam is a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide and just tons and tons and tons of it are going into the landfill every single day from florists all over the country and weddings you know and events and massive amounts of flowers and foams and 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 then candles you know you could go right down the line you know the candles you know they're giving off toxic fumes because they're made from sludge that's left over from the uh oil industry i didn't know this i've become a scientist now (laughs) mainstream candles i mean i don't want to mention any names but we all know names of big candle companies and if they're not soy or Another um, natural element. They're just pure sludge mixed in with wax paraffin. So yeah, there's it's, there's a lot of things if you want to get right down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. So uh, you shared a little bit before our
0: interview about it, but how are things um, amidst the pandemic now affecting
1: your business? Well, it's not <laughs> because New York State has a had you know we were hit really hard and everything was shut down, but there was a little clause in there. I'm I'm ruled by the Department of Agriculture. So all landscaping, you know, all of that stuff, I was under that. But I did find in there that if you own your establishment and there was only like a one-man show, like, you know, like a gas station attendant could be in there, one person. So I said, hmm. And I was going stir crazy. I stayed home for a week and a half and I was bored to death. So I've been open the whole time, whereas most of the other shops closed. i and the reason I was able to stay open because, of course, all of the planes weren't flying. So the imported flowers weren't coming in. They had no product. I, on the other hand, had my connections in California and Florida and elsewhere, North Carolina. So I had a steady stream of flowers. So I became kind of like popular. (laughs) I was the only, when you Google the florist around here, I was the only one that said open, you know, it was only curbside delivery and online order, phone order, but I've been doing well with that. And people are okay. You know, they get it. My shop is charming, but you can't come in, but you can still get beautiful flowers. So it, it hasn't really affected me. So
0: what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your efforts?
1: Well, this is my heart song. The environment is my passion. You know, animal rights are my passion. I mean, that's my, and I've, I've been able to, to merge. I also love vintage design and the way old you know, things were done in the old days. So I've been able to merge those two. And now I'm just as happy as a clam because I'm doing everything I love. I'm doing my part for the environment and I'm using old because a lot of green, Thinking in a florist is going back to using the old ways, which of course take twice as long, which is why florists don't want to use them. But um, it has made me—I'm happy. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my contribution of what I feel that I'm doing, no matter how small. Any kind of education I can give other people. So I'm—I'm I'm happy now. When I was—and I was very unhappy 20 years ago when I found all this out. I was terribly guilty of all all I could think of was the previous twenty years when my mother had opened in the eighties of all the plastics and the, oh my gosh, the foams and the sprays and the glues and everything we had used. I, I it has I'm I'm proud of what I was able to do. That's awesome. If your
0: ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that's considering this in
1: their own city or state? You mean having a retail florist like myself?
0: Right. That might want to either convert a shop that they already have or
1: well, if they already have a, a going concern, a shop, it's 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 easy to convert. You know, it's it's very easy to convert just in doing and you know what? You don't have to do everything. Even if you just do one thing, even if you recycle your water, I'd say it's it's easier to convert a traditional florist. You just have to convert your yourself. You have to get out of the the thinking of this is the way you do it and this is what you buy and this is what you use. No. Look at it and say, Okay, I'm picking up this plastic dish that came from China, what else can I use? You know, so it just takes, it basically takes converting yourself. So
0: what resource maybe or book or website has been particularly helpful or informative um, in this for you?
1: I love everything that the Sundance Institute was doing. They were on board real early and I was, I was involved with that a little bit, you know, with their environmental statements and, and that kind of shot me off there that I, that there were, Robert Redford is one of my mentors, along with uh, Captain Paul Watson from Sea Shepherd. I mean, he's brilliant. I, he is my definite hero. <laughs> and anybody that doesn't know who that is, he was the one that had the, um, he was the founder of Greenpeace, and then he founded this, and he went off and um, uh, had the Whale Wars uh, series on Animal Planet. But if you read any of his writings, you know, it, it's just, he inspires me every day. So are you,
0: um do you have any classes or
1: anything that you'd like to share or um Um right now, like I said, I'm just working on this. I have a new website that's that's coming up on florists and florist design with it with you know and how to do it and not create an environmental impact. So on my website I have all kind of information. I kind of rant all about a lot of things on there <laughs> nicely, you know, just try to inform people of of what's going on and what their choices are. And I have a lot of blog posts on there. So that's basically where I am with um, that right now with the COVID anyway. And what is your website address? goodolddaysflorist.com. Okay. A very appropriate name, which my, my mother named because my grandfather perpetually talked about the good old days. But now I think it's a very appropriate name (laughs) for what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time to share with us um,
0: your, your whole journey and everything that you're doing.
1: Well, I just hope that anybody that's listening just, and I think a lot of people are now, you know, with our food, especially, you know, with the the genetically modified food and organic food and, you know, et cetera, just think, you know, the flowers are just like the food. And I I think that's what's happened. People kind of didn't group flowers and plants in with food. You know, we have genetically modified flowers. So, you know, people just don't relate that what's going on in your food is the same thing that's going on in the rest of the world of agriculture, whether it's plants you buy at the garden center or trees or flowers from a florist, it's the same thing.
0: Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local
1: action that benefits the planet and people.